Thank you, James. That uh, notice was purposely left on for ages because, um, I'm just making this up, but I was thinking, good emphasis, <laughs> just to remind everybody to, that we've got a shared lunch next week, so bring some savoury food. That'd be really nice, actually. So after the 10.30 service, we'll have a shared lunch. If you'd like to stay for that, that would be really lovely to, to have you there. Um, and it'll be really nice to have a dedication service, actually. It's been a while since we've done one of those, and we've got quite a, uh, quite a few kids. Hold on, let me just see. Got, um, off the top of my head, I think there's seven so far to be um, dedicated, so that's really awesome. Praise God. All right, I'm just going to pray, and then we'll get started on our message. Father God, thank you, Lord, for... Uh, your, your blessing. Thank you, Father God, for this time together as a church, Father, um, spending time in your presence and uh, learning more about you. We pray, God, that you'd reveal your word to us. Just make it, pers personalize it, Lord. Holy Spirit, personalize it for us today um, so that we can get what it is that you want us to get out of the message in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So uh, my message is, um, I'm going to continue this top of this, uh, it was meant to be just June, but I think I'm just continuing it a little bit longer, um, sowing seed, reaping a harvest, and you know, as a church we are called, and also individually as well, we're called to help those in need, eh? do you agree with that? That's what we're called to do, the word tells us in lots of different places in the Bible, um, and one of those verses is in Proverbs 19:17, which says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. That's cool, eh? So when, whenever we give to those in need, um, God knows, and he blesses us for it. So I just wanted to say thank you to the people who have been giving to Ketikai. We, we appreciate that a lot, and... Um, so the non-perishable foods and grocery items and so forth. So Ketikai, if you don't know, is, is our um, pantry for giving to people in need. So it might be, it could be all sorts of people, um, but we often give out um, food parcels and various things like that. And even coming up to Christmas, we'll usually prepare quite a few hampers to give away um, and also at other times of the year as well. Um, but so thank you. So thank you for your giving in that so far. We appreciate that a lot. Um, there's plenty of room in the pantry still. <laughs> Just letting you know, plenty of room. Um, but do you know what? The, the pantry gives us, Ketikai gives us seed to sow into the lives of others as a church. You know, It's important for us as a church to give to those in need. And we even get people contacting us sometimes, um, so asking whether there's anything they might be, we might be able to do to help them. Um, of course, we're wise with what we do, but, uh, what we give to. But you know, it, there's a lot. There's a great need out there for people at the moment. And uh, two Corinthians nine, which is what James mentioned before, two Corinthians nine verses seven to eight. It says, God loves a cheerful giver. So it's talking about giving. And we've already talked about tithing, but um, we can give in other ways as well, can't we? It says in, uh, I'm just going to go back to verse 6. 
But I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So if you think of um, a farmer planting seeds, let's just say a, a, pl a farmer planted 50 seeds for um, cabbage, for example, okay? And then compare that with a, another farmer that sows 500 seeds. Who's going to get the larger harvest? The one that's sown more seed, right? Um, and so that's what that verse is saying. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. That's just, just a, it's just a um, principle of sowing and reaping. And verse 7 says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or of necessity. You see, God doesn't want us giving grudgingly. And he doesn't want us to give in order to get either, although that will happen. Uh, it's just the spiritual law again. It says here, because God loves a cheerful giver. He really loves a cheerful giver. And in verse 8 it says, and, and this is the promise really, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, it says in one of the versions, you may abound in every good work. That sounds like amazing provision, doesn't it? Eh? For the person that's given. And uh, there's having all sufficiency at all times in all things, that's a lot of sufficiency, don't you think? <laughs> And that's what I'd like us all to have. Because then we can give, then we can give more. You know, it's important for us to apply actions to our faith if we want to see a harvest. Just like what James was just saying then, we've got to apply our faith. If we give in fear, that's not going to work because that's, a, that's, um, that's the kingdom of darkness, sort of like the negative thing. And so it isn't going to work. But when we apply faith, our confidence in God that God's word is true and that he will do what his word says, then he's able to work with that and cause us to reap a big harvest. So when we are given faith or do something in faith, we need to actually do something as well. We need to apply actions. And for example, in James 2, hey, we'll be like, oh, thanks. Yep. It says here, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So we need to make sure that when we, when we give or when we do something in faith, we need to make sure we, we do something as well. We apply some actions. In Pastor Robin's message last week, which was great, if you haven't heard it, I'd recommend you go um, online and listen to the message. It was a really good one on sowing and reaping. Um, she said that everything that we say is seed sown for harvest. Everything. Okay, so let's think about what we say. It's all the good stuff, all the faith-filled words we speak, but it also includes all of the negative, grumbling, fear, and doubt-filled words. I don't know if I want to harvest from that side of stuff. She said that after we sow good seed, we need to be very aware of what we allow to come out of our mouth because our negative words dig up that seed that we've sown and it stops us reaping the harvest that we've put our faith out for. And if you think of a farmer 
planting seed, so the farmer's planted seed, it wouldn't make any sense, would it, for the farmer to then go a week later and dig it all up again, would it? But that's what we do when we speak negative words. And so it's, we need to be very aware. And that's why Pastor Ron was saying, hold fast to your confession. So you've got your, you, you, you put out your faith, you're believing for something, and then over here is the time when you reap, and in between, you've got to hold fast your confession. Okay? You've got to hold fast your confession. And so it's so important to be aware of what you're allowing to come out of your mouth. Luke 6.45 says, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So how do we produce good things from our heart? It's by our words. And as well, producing evil things from our heart is by our words as well. It's coming out our mouth. So whatever, have you ever noticed that whatever's really abundant in your heart, it comes out in times of stress? Yeah, or moments of panic? And that's, that's really a good guide of what's in your heart because we're quite good at covering up things and, and making sure we're doing quite well when we're feeling fine and happy. But if something goes wrong, that's a really good indication of what's really in your heart. And what we want to have in our heart is God's word so that faith-filled words come out when we're speaking. So I want to talk today on the need to set goals. Um, Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So it is important that we think about our future and make some plans. But the Bible says that it's the Lord that directs our steps. It is him. We might have our plans, but if they're not in line with God's word, He's going to gently try to guide us so that they are in line with him. But that's only if we allow him to. He he as as James was saying before, he he never forces his will on anybody. So he's never going to make us speak the right words or or do the right thing. He's he's always going to leave that decision up to us, but he'll gently try to nudge us in the right direction, which I love. I think that's great. And I would much prefer that because that's freedom, isn't it? It's, rather than being forced or coerced, um, free, true freedom is where we make the decision ourselves, right? So I want to go to another scripture. It says in Proverbs 16:3, so same chapter, but verse 3, it says, Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Now, I want you to notice that it doesn't say that our thoughts will be established, in other words, that God will direct our steps. Then we can commit our works to the Lord. It's actually the other way around, which is really interesting. So we've got to commit our works to the Lord, and our thoughts will be established, and provided we're um, submissive to God, he'll direct us back on the right path if we're slightly off, which is good. So setting goals is a really good way to to keep ourselves focused. And in Proverbs 29, 
verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So we have to have something to aim for. We've got to. We've got to have something to aim for. And Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. That makes sense, doesn't it? If it's written down, I find it much easier. If I can see it, then that makes it easier to do it. And we do have a whole church vision, which is building a faith-filled church where people are passionate about living Christ-centered lives and in seeing God's kingdom expressed in our nation and beyond. So that's our whole church vision. And so if, that, if you're part of our church, if you, if you call Centre Church your home, then that's your vision as well. That's, your, that's our collective vision as a church. But we also need um, a vision for our individual life and our family as well, right? So our vision for our individual life and our family's life needs to line up with God's word. But it also would make sense that it lines up or is complementary and not, not in opposition to the church vision. If Centre Church is your home, then it would make sense that it would line up with that too, wouldn't it? So goals need to stretch us. They should really. Not too much so that they feel like it's impossible to reach, but just goals need to stretch us to a certain degree. And, uh, you know, goals sometimes can cause us, well, they should really, sometimes cause us to be out of our comfort zone. It's not very nice being out of our comfort zone. But we need to be out of our comfort zone if we want to grow, actually. And uh, it's, it, it, I think for all of us, I know certainly me, I don't like being out of my comfort zone. But I know that when I am out of my comfort zone, that's when, yeah, that's when I grow the most because it stretches me. Um, so absolutely... That helps, and there's a scripture in um, Isaiah 54:2 that says, "Enlarge the place of your tent, <coughs> excuse me, and let them stretch out the curtains of your habitation." So, in other words, it's saying, "Stretch." You know, it says, "Do not spare; lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes." So, so be be willing to be stretched. Think bigger. Um, so we need to, whatever our goals are, we need to make sure we're stepping out in faith. Okay, it takes faith, doesn't it, to step out of your comfort zone? It actually does. It takes quite a bit of faith to step out. So how do we set goals? Um, I'm, this is sort of like a little bit of a practical message, and it's not a very long one either. Um, so there's an acronym that um, I've used in the past, but we can apply things like this to spiritual things as well. And I think it can help us if we do. Uh, this acronym is SMART, so S-M-A-R-T, and S stands for specific. So I'm just going to run through what those five things mean. So the goal, whatever your goal is, it needs to be specific. So it needs to be very detailed and not vague. Uh, the M stands for measurable. That means you need to be able to track your progress. You need to be able to know whether you're actually reaching your goal step by step or not. The A stands for attainable. So that means it needs to be realistic. So not pie in the sky. 
not impossible to achieve. So you wouldn't want to be setting a goal, for example, I'm going to give in tithes and offerings $3,000 a week when you, your income is $1,000 a week or 500 you know, because that's impossible. Um, thinking, I mean, obviously not with God, all things are possible, but you need to be realistic, at least initially, <laughs> until you get really good at it. The R stands for relevant. So your goal needs to make sure it aligns with God's word. So this is um, one of the things where it's, it's, it's different from the world because we need to make sure that whatever our goals are, they line up with God's word. I mean, our, and our values, our values should line up with God's word too, though. So they should line up with God's word. And also the T stands for time-based. So your goal should have an end point where, where either you've reached your goal or you're going to re-look at your goal and maybe re reset it a little bit. So, we need to make sure that when we set our goals that we commit them to the Lord in prayer and then hold, our, hold fast our confession. So that's from Hebrews 4.14. So we need to make sure we commit it to the Lord in prayer, um, step out in faith and then hold fast our confession. So I'm going to give you some examples of various goals and how, how you could do that according to this, this acronym of SMART. So the first one I want to um, give you is this. You need healing in your physical body, let's just say. You realize that the most abundant thing in your heart is not God's word. So you might have known that by realizing that when you had a really awful moment, next minute all these words are coming out of your mouth that are not God's word. And, uh, and so you realize that and you want to change it and you want to deposit the word into your heart. So let's just say that's the scenario. So the specific part would be I'm going, I will read and declare God's word concerning healing. I will read and declare God's word concerning healing. Okay, so the measurable part, would, for example, would be, I will do this for 10 minutes every day. Okay, I'm going to do this for 10 minutes every day. And that way, if you're not doing it for 10 minutes a day, you know you're not, you know you're not on track, right? And so you can fix it up. Um, is it attainable? Yes. Um, for me personally... Um, when would I do that? I like reading the Bible first thing in the morning, so that would probably be a good time for me to do that. Everybody's different. Some people might find a different time of the day works better for them. It's a time where you, you have a little bit of a quiet moment. For some people, it might be before bed or it might be before dinner or, or whatever. Um, is it relevant? Yes, absolutely, because sowing God's word into your heart can't do anything except create good stuff. <laughs> and uh, time-based. Okay, so what you could do is you could say, I'm going to do this for three months, and then I'm going to reassess. You might have your healing by that point. If you don't, you might want to up what you're doing, perhaps. You might find that um, in moments of stress that things are improving, what comes out of your mouth is improving. And so you'd need to just maybe reset what you're, what you're doing. So once you've set your goal, you start depositing the word of God um, in your heart and faith. 
and you hold fast to that confession, okay? So you make sure you're speaking it out. So there's one example. Um, second example, you might have a financial need. And uh, Hayley gave an example earlier about what happens when she didn't, or what happened to her when she didn't tithe. I think that was right, eh, Hayley? Is that right? Yep. Um, but let's just say you have a financial need. You know that God says that as you sow, you will reap. You know that that's what the Bible says. And you know that God's word is true. And so you decide to take a step of faith and increase your offerings. Okay? So that's the scenario this time. So specific, a specific goal would be, I will increase my regular offerings at church. Um, because the word of God in Malachi says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, and the storehouse is the church, okay? Um, measurable, I will increase my offering by $20 a week. So let's just, let's just, I'm just making this number up. But let's just say, remembering too that we're, we're, um, that we're trying to set something that we're going to be able to track. Um, attainable, is it, a, is it realistic for me? It might stretch you. But, um, or it might stretch me, let's just say it's me. Yeah, it might stretch me, but it is realistic. I think I could manage that. Um, is it relevant? Yes, because God says that giving in faith and, and uh, believing that he is my provider, that does line up with God's word, eh? It definitely does. And um, time-based, you could say, I'll increase my offerings for three months, and then I'll go back to it. I'll reassess, Okay. So what you do then is you give in faith and you hold fast to your confession. Um, I've got two more examples for you, and really that's, that's the end. But I want you to think about this for your own life. So here's another example. I'll give an example to do with Ketikai now, because Ketikai is, um, is where we bring non-perishables and so forth. Let's just say you, you want to start giving regularly to Ketikai, because you want to contribute to helping people in need. And so you decide you're going to take a step of faith and start contributing. So a specific goal would be, I will give regularly to Ketikai to help people in need. Okay, I'm going to give regularly. So the measurable part would be, I'm going to bring three cans of food a week. Because you know that if you don't bring your three cans, you're not tracking. If you bring more, then you're doing better than you kind of planned. Um, so that's cool. And by the way, three cans of food, that's over 150 cans in over a year. Imagine if, if quite a few of us did that. That would be filling up our pantry rather quickly, I'd say. Um, so three cans of food. Um, is that attainable? Um, for me, yes, I think so. I'd really like to be giving to Ketikai regularly, and I, know, and I will admit I haven't given regularly. But I really would like to. And um, I'm really annoyed with myself because I forgot to bring something this morning, but this week I will make sure I do um, on Tuesday. So is it attainable? Yes, I could do that. It'll probably cost me five bucks, an extra five dollars, maybe less. Depends on what's, what's on special. Is it relevant? Oh, yes, because that God wants us to give to people in need. Absolutely, it is relevant. And is it time-based? I could say I'm going to bring... Three cans of food each week for a whole year, okay? And so what you do then is you, you've set your goal, so you're given faith, 
and you can and and when and whenever you give, it doesn't have to be financial. It can be if you're giving cans or whatever. You can give in faith, even if it's just cans of stuff, okay? Because God wants to bless you, okay? And then hold fast your confession, even with regards to that. All right, so the last example, this is a slightly different one. Some of life's experience have left you feeling bitter and angry towards certain people, so you decide that you don't want to hold any unforgiveness or bitterness toward them anymore. You decide to take a step of faith, and you want to get some emotional healing, which I spoke about at the start of April, but if you want to know about that, please see me about it. That's really important. Um, and you want to start sowing forgiveness and, and kindness and so forth. So your specific goal would be, I will forgive these people, and sow empathy and kindness to the people that I see every day. Okay, so start sowing out good stuff. And uh, is it measurable? Yes, I will speak forgiveness. Now, this is where you set, like, how often you're going to do it. I will speak forgiveness towards these people twice a day by faith. Okay? You might want to do it more often than that. And uh, is it attainable? Yep, this is something I can realistically commit to. I could do that, you know. It's just a matter of speaking out. I forgive them in the name of Jesus. Is it relevant? Um, yes, it is, because God says to forgive so that we can also be forgiven. So it is really important. And then time-based, I don't know, you could say I'll do this for a month, and then um, you'll know when you don't need to do it anymore. And I want to give an example from my life. About 30 years ago, I had somebody that I really, I've probably told this story before, but I had somebody in my life that I really was very annoyed with and 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 it just kept building up and building up and I so I was holding unforgiveness and I was really struggling with it but I did know that God's word says you need to forgive and so I thought okay I'm going to take a step of faith and so I started saying I forgive that person in Jesus name and I said it a couple of times or probably more than twice a day and I tell you what, at first I didn't mean it at all. I didn't mean what I was saying. In fact, it, I was cringing as I was saying it. Let's be honest, I was. And, uh, and so, but I kept persevering, okay? So I held fast my confession and I kept saying, I forgive this person every day I was doing that. And after a while, now it was a while, it was probably like six weeks or something, I suddenly realized one day, actually, I mean it now. I actually mean it, and I'm actually saying this, and I actually mean that. And so that really helped me um, to, to forgive. And so sometimes if you set a goal, you can forgive in faith and then hold fast your confession. I quite like that. You can give in faith and you can forgive in faith. <laughs> it's quite cool. <laughs> So I really want to encourage you to set your own goals, okay? So even if you do that, just even think about it now if, while I finish off. Um, it helps if we set goals. It really helps us to achieve if we set goals because it helps us focus. And I was saying to Elaine just before 
the service started that I'm quite good when it comes to certain things with setting goals, but then with other things, I'm quite slack. And so um, there's been something that I've been wanting to do my own study on all year, and I haven't done it. I just keep saying, I really want to do that. I really want to do that. And I haven't done it. And where are we now? Like the 3rd of July? Halfway through the year. So I need to set a goal about that. So I want to go and do a little bit of kind of study. It's to do with God stuff. It's, it's to do with um, dream interpretation, actually. And I, I really want to learn about that. And I know where I can go to do that learning. I just need to actually do it. And it's because I haven't set a goal. I just have said I really want to do it. And I keep talking about it. So I really want to encourage you guys to think about that as well. Um, so just finishing off, the Bible says that in John 3.16, it says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, Jesus. He gave his only son. That's a big sacrifice, eh? That whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life. That's cool. You know, like when, when a real seed is planted, you know, that seed is sacrificed so that a much larger harvest can be gained, right? And our Father in heaven sowed his son Jesus, and he died, but death couldn't hold him down. He rose again. But the cool thing is that Jesus died so that all of us have the opportunity to become part of his family. So instead of Jesus being his only son, he's now got millions of or billions, perhaps, of sons and daughters of God. That's exciting, isn't it? It's going to be fun in heaven one day, I think. <laughs> and we should be having fun here now as well. So just, you know, what Jesus did, he died on the cross to make a way for a much, much larger harvest of souls. He sacrificed his life and he spilt his blood to redeem anybody that would accept him and what he did for them. So um, I just want to give an opportunity for anybody who doesn't know God um, to say this prayer because this is all you need to do to become part of God's family is just say a prayer accepting what Jesus did. Okay. So I'm going to pray a prayer. I don't know if anybody's in that situation, but if you are, I really want you to come and see me afterwards. Or see, um, yeah, see me. Because we have something we'd like to give um, somebody that's never made this decision before. Um, so if everyone could just close their eyes, and we're just going to pray. And I want you to say this prayer after me. Dear, dear God, I acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross, then rose again. I believe that Jesus' body was broken and his blood was spilt to redeem me from sin, sickness, and poverty and to make a way of salvation. Jesus, I accept you now as my Lord and Saviour. That's cool. It's as simple as that. 
Has anyone made that decision? If you, if you have or if you've recommitted, can you put your hand up just quietly so where I can see it? I don't know if anybody has, but if you have, I'd really like to talk to you. I can't see any hands, but that doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> that nobody has. It might just mean somebody's shy. So come and see me afterwards. What we're going to do now is we're going to have communion together as a church. It's perfect timing because Jesus did this for us. And when we've made this um, decision for him, he says, do, do take communion to remember what I've done. He said in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 25, the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You know, Jesus did that before he died. He did that before he um, died on the cross. But the purpose of it is that he, he told us to make sure that we remember what he did on the cross. Because he redeemed us. He brought us back. And, if, and all we have to do is accept that. And so I just want to um, invite you all up to come and... and um, Grab one of those and, and we'll share communion together. Thank you, Poppy. So if we just um, come and collect these and take it back to our seats and then we'll pray together and then take communion together. <laughs>